The long-awaited stamp of approval. The lead starts right now. The FDA fully approves Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine, setting the stage for sweeping vax mandates and maybe pushing more reluctant Americans to get the shot. A race against time and the Taliban. The U.S. up against a deadline to evacuate thousands from Afghanistan. We'll talk to a former U.S. official who has negotiated with the Taliban. Plus, seven-month-old twins swept out of their father's arms. They are among the 21 dead after floodwaters in the U.S. unleash disaster in a matter of minutes. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin today with the health lead and the major development in the fight to end the coronavirus pandemic eight months after the first shot was given under emergency use protocols. Pfizer's COVID vaccine has now been fully approved by the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, opening the door to more vaccine mandates in businesses, in government agencies, and in universities across the country. In fact, minutes after the FDA news, the Pentagon announced it is requiring all of its 1.3 million active duty service members to be vaccinated. Today, President Biden urged Americans who have been waiting for full approval from the FDA to go get vaccinated now. And he reiterated his call for private and public sector leaders to implement vaccine requirements or mandates. About one third of the eligible population in the United States, 82 million people, still has not been vaccinated. And more than 1,000 Americans, nearly all of them unvaccinated, are dying from COVID each day. That's the highest that number has been in five months. CNN's Chief White House Correspondent Caitlin Collins joins me now live. And Caitlin, FDA approval allows the White House to push even harder for vaccine mandates. Are they expecting this news to make a real difference in the number of shots going into arms every day? Well, Jake, they're certainly hoping it will because there are still tens of millions of Americans who are eligible to get the vaccine but haven't yet made that decision to do so. And a recent poll by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that it was about three in 10 unvaccinated Americans said they were more likely to get the shot once it did get full approval from the FDA. And now, of course, that has happened. So the White House is going to make a messaging push here. You saw President Biden speaking today and other officials are continued uh, to expect it to push this announcement from the FDA to try to get people vaccinated. But Jake, more than just people going out and getting the shot on their own, President Biden, when speaking on this news earlier, was also calling on private companies to do more to require the vaccine. We had already seen several companies do so. We know some had been waiting for this full approval. And so that is what he is calling on private companies to do to make it more required widely uh, across the U.S. And the federal government is going to be taking these steps as well, Jake, because we know the Pentagon was waiting for this full approval to now require it uh, among U.S. military active duty troops. And so that's one thing that's expected to happen. We'll wait to see if more uh, assets or more parts of the federal government then do also require it as well, Jake. School is back in session uh, in places all over the country. President Biden said he's going to address how to send kids back to school safely soon. Um, What's the goal there, especially considering so many kids are already back in classrooms? Yeah, and this is something that the president has said he's expected to discuss with the education secretary in the coming days because it's caused a real issue in communities, Jake, with local ordinances and governors and whatnot trying to impose these 
bans on mask mandates. And that, of course, is raising questions for a lot of parents since we did see this move from the FDA today, but we have still not heard anything from the FDA for children under 12. They are still not recommended to get this vaccine by the FDA. And so what President Biden said today was kind of in line with the CDC guidance of what they had issued about kids going back to school, saying that make sure everyone you can around your child who isn't vaccinated and can't be vaccinated is vaccinated. That means parents and other teenagers who are eligible to get the vaccine. And Jakey said, otherwise, make sure your kid is wearing a mask when they leave the house. All right, Caitlin Collins, thanks so much. Meanwhile, COVID cases and hospitalizations continue to rise. In Florida, the number of people dying from COVID every day is at its highest point of the entire pandemic. And as CNN's Nick Watt reports, more local officials all over the country, especially in Florida, are denying governor's block on mask mandates. The Pfizer vaccine now fully approved for people 16 and over. This is a pivotal moment for our country in the fight against the pandemic. The public can be confident that this vaccine meets the FDA's gold standards for safety, effectiveness, and manufacturing quality. The vaccine was being deployed under FDA emergency use authorization. This might help the hesitant. This may tip them over toward getting vaccinated. There are about 82 million Americans who are eligible but have not yet gotten their shots. Now, the approval also bolsters vaccine mandates for workplaces and more. That is going to be a game changer for us. You know, some places, including the hospitals, schools, cannot enforce the, the vaccine for COVID. Now that is FDA approved, that will open that door. This morning in Miami, defying the anti-mask governor, schools reopened in Florida's largest district with a mask mandate. If there's a consequence, put it on me. If there's a price to be paid, put it on me. The feds also ready to fight anti-mask local legislators. We are prepared to launch investigations with our Office for Civil Rights to ensure that all students have access to this fundamental right of education. There are schools in the South that have opened, then closed again or put kids in quarantine due to COVID cases. I think that this is a harbinger of the challenges that we're going to face nationally as schools reopen. The schools could become focal points of community transmission. The U.S. is now averaging nearly 150,000 cases a day and once again averaging over 1,000 COVID-related deaths a day. That toll is up over 50% in just a week. Vaccines? There were just three days in a row with more than a million shots in arms. We haven't seen that since mid-June. Because especially with the Delta variant, getting that protection is more important than ever. Mississippi has among the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Officials there say more and more people are taking a livestock anti-parasitic instead. There's an online lie that it fights COVID-19. The FDA tweeted, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all. Stop it. Now, with this full approval, Pfizer can also now market and advertise their vaccine. And today, a company spokesperson told CNN that they hope to use that to increase confidence in this vaccine. One word of caution from the FDA to physicians. Do not use this vaccine off-label in the under-12s. Not yet. The data is still being gathered. The dosage is still being figured out. Jake. All right, Nick, thanks so much. Uh, let's bring in Dr. Peter Hotez. He's the co-director of the Center for Vaccine Development 
at Texas Children's Hospital. Dr. Hotez, good to see you again. So today, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that he believes today's announcement could encourage as many as 20 to 30 percent of unvaccinated individuals to get vaccinated. Does that seem a reasonable expectation to you? Uh, not, not without the mandates. Um, I do think it, it, there will be a modest uh, increase. But look, we have a long way to go to fill this gap. You know, unfortunately, we've underachieved as a nation. Only 51% of the American people are fully vaccinated. If we're going to halt this virus transmission, we're going to have to get to 80, 85%. So we need to close that gap on 80 million people. And I think having the full approval will certainly convince some, um, but it's just one of a dozen fake talking points put out there by the disinformation campaign. And I think a number of people are just going to revert to to one of the other ones. I think the bigger uh, impact, as was mentioned, is going to be around mandates, employer mandates, federal mandates from the military. I think the one thing that didn't happen today that I would have liked to have seen is, you know, they did this approval for 16 and up. If they had gone to 12 and up, I think that would have been very powerful because one of the worst performing groups in terms of vaccinations are are, are the adolescents, 12 to 15. And we were looking at 20, 25 percent of adolescents down here in the South are are fully vaccinated. And, and if we had that approval for 12 and up, we could have mandated vaccines for the middle schools, uh, done, more, done more with school mandates. And so that, that, that's unfortunate. So that's going to continue to be a problem as well. New York City is now requiring all education staff, including teachers and principals, to be vaccinated. Do you think that other cities and states should follow suit? Look, we have to, Jake. If we're serious as a nation about getting our kids through the fall school year, Here's what has to happen. Uh, basically, everyone who walks into a public school has to have a mask on, except maybe some of the special needs kids who can't do it. And everyone over the age of 12 and up has to be vaccinated when you've got this screaming level of transmission across the country and a Delta variant that's highly transmissible. That's the only way. So the more we can move in that direction, the greater the likelihood will ensure that our kids can get through the school year. Because look what's happening in the South already with no mask mandates. None of the kids or none of the adolescents are vaccinated or eligible. We're seeing schools open up and then they shut down a week later because so many kids are getting COVID. So we're all holding our breath down here in Texas where the many of the school districts are just opening today. I just don't know how it's going to go. So Dr. Hotez, already uh, with the news of this uh, approval, um, uh, right-wing media is already now has a new narrative um, and a different channel when the news came out, said, you know, talk, started talking about whether or not the process was rushed. Um, what would your response to that be? You know, Jake, the FDA is um, for approving vaccines is about the highest regulatory bar that exists uh, anywhere in the world. And, and it wasn't rushed um, what what's happened with the FDA is they've been uh, reviewing data steadily. That's why we've been able to move expeditiously. And, you know, the other piece to this that not many are talking about is the fact that how good that emergency use authorization process turned out to be and how hard the FDA worked to fully approximate the full approval process. So so this is not the case at all. But, you know, unfortunately, the far right far right has been dominating the Internet right now in terms of putting out uh, disinformation. And if we're going to move the next step as a country, we've got to close that 80 million gap. 
Dr. Peter Hotos, thanks so much. The desperate effort to evacuate Afghans who helped U.S. troops during the war reports now that the Taliban are not letting them through uh, to get to the airport. An update the week after the collapse of Kabul. And it's the reason the U.S. went in there in the first place 20 years ago, and now terror chatter is picking up how ISIS and other groups might be trying to seize the opportunity in the chaos. Stay with us. And we're back with our world lead now. The pace of evacuations is finally picking up at the Kabul airport. That's good news. The Pentagon saying today that 16,000 people have been evacuated out of that city within just the last 24 hours. And since the Afghan government fell, the U.S. has evacuated or coordinated the evacuation of approximately 37,000 people. Without question, this is progress and good news for the American citizens and green card holders whom the Biden administration is prioritizing. The State Department says that several thousand Americans and their family members are still in Afghanistan, still trying to get out. It has not been as easy for Afghan allies who helped U.S. forces during the war and applied for what are called SIVs or special immigrant visas. They were told to stay away from the Kabul airport today. The situation outside that airport is growing increasingly Desperate and dire as thousands crammed together in front of the gates, begging to be, letting, to be let in, waiting for days without access to food or water. Now, President Biden has not ruled out keeping troops in Afghanistan past this August 31st withdrawal deadline. But as CNN's Oren Lieberman reports for us now, the Taliban is already warning that that could lead to serious consequences. Kabul International Airport, the end of the month, is coming too quickly. The U.S. is trying to hit its self-imposed August 31st deadline to complete the evacuation from Afghanistan. There's discussions going on among us and the military about extending. Our hope is we will not have to extend, but there are going to be discussions, I suspect, on how far along we are in the process. The Taliban warning there will be consequences if it takes any longer. Tension in and around the airport is still running very high. Someone opened fire on Afghan security forces Sunday, killing one and wounding several civilians. U.S. and Afghan troops returned fire. The firefight underscoring the security situation as the U.S. tries to maximize the number of people it can fly out. The military flew more than 10,000 people out of Kabul in 24 hours and another 5,000 on charters and other flights, a new record and a pace that must continue. In order to speed up evacuations, the Pentagon activating the Civil Reserve Air Fleet for only the third time, using 18 aircraft from commercial carriers like United and American to move evacuees from the Middle East onwards. For now, though, the U.S. prioritizing getting American citizens out. Several thousand have left the country already, the Pentagon says. A senior State Department official says there are still several thousand more. The Pentagon acknowledging helicopters have left the airport not once, but twice to pick up evacuees. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby hinting at more. On occasion, where there's a need and there's a capability to meet that need, our commanders on the ground are doing what they feel they need to do to help Americans reach the airport. For now, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul is telling Afghan special immigrant visa applicants and evacuees not to come to the airport until they're told. With potentially little more than a week left of this evacuation effort, fear of a totalitarian Taliban regime is growing. The brother of an Afghan interpreter received these letters from the Taliban, a court date for helping U.S. troops and shielding his brother, and then 
a notification of his death sentence. These court decisions are final, and you will not have the right to object, the third and final letter reads. You chose this path for yourself, and your death is imminent, God willing. There are still some 13,000 people at the airport, and more trying to get through every day. But a new terror threat forcing the U.S. to develop alternate routes to the airport for safety, even when there is so little time left to evacuate. Speaking of that little time, a, de a defense official with direct knowledge of the discussions around the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan says if the goal is to get the 5,800 troops out of the country by the end of the month, that decision may well have to come tomorrow. Jake, one other surprising bit of information we learned just uh, a short time ago, we've all seen pictures of the one baby that was born uh, on the flight from Qatar to Ramstein Air Base in Germany. We learned a short time ago there were two other babies born during this evacuation from Afghanistan. Unclear if they were on a flight or at a base somewhere, but that is a surprising bit of news during all of this. Orrin, I want you to take a listen to something that White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki just said a few minutes ago uh, about Americans... Uh, still in Afghanistan. I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said, when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. Look, I understand that people are working long hours in the White House, the National Security Council, State Department, Pentagon, and over in Kabul to, to get Americans out of that country. And I understand the White House wanting to reassure the nation that all Americans will ultimately be evacuated. But there are no doubt Americans who feel stranded in Afghanistan right now. Yeah, some of this appears to be, as you point out, a message of reassurance, and, and some appears to be parsing words on what exactly is stranded. Jen Psaki appearing to say that if you want to get out, the U.S. will go to great lengths to get you out. But the Pentagon has acknowledged in a limited number of cases, according to what we've heard, that there have been Americans who are having trouble getting through Taliban checkpoints, who are having difficulties and problems getting to Kabul International Airport. And that appears to be what she's not acknowledging here, that there are Americans having issues. Limited numbers, the Pentagon says, but it is certainly happening from what we've heard here. From what we heard from the defense secretary and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs briefing members of Congress, maybe it's not in great numbers, but there are problems here even for Americans. All right, Oren, thank you so much. Uh, joining us now, Adam Bowler. He's the former CEO of the International Development Finance Corporation under President Trump. Working with U.S. negotiator Zalmay Khalilzad, uh, he has negotiated twice with the Taliban senior leadership during the Trump administration. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Um, first of all, let me just ask, uh, because you've had this very rare what it must have been odd experience. Um, most Americans will never set foot in a room with the Taliban. Um, what is negotiating with them like? Uh, can you take them at their word? What tactics seem to work with them? So I think the key thing to remember about the Taliban is they are a militia. They're a regional militia. Uh, they're fairly well organized. And so I think on the upside, they can keep their word. On the downside, if we don't have pressure and I mean that from a military perspective, to hold them accountable, they won't keep their word. Uh, and so I think you know, a good example of them keeping wor their word is a number of years ago, a year ago, they said they wouldn't attack U.S. forces. The day after they said that, and we made the agreement, they kept their word and they didn't. My concern going forward is what is the accountability to hold them to their word? So let me ask you, when they say, for example, I mean, they have a very 
I would say much more sophisticated than it used to be, at least, propaganda arm. And they'll say, the Taliban will say, you know, all is forgiven. If you work with the Americans, we're not going to hold you account. Uh, You'll be fine. You won't be punished. But that's obviously not true. Um, Brianna Keeler earlier today obtained a document uh, that Oren just included in his report, a, a death sentence to somebody who hadn't even worked with the Americans, but his brother had, and he'd helped that person uh, get out. So is this a matter of the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, or is this a matter of they're just lying? Uh, it's a matter of there's no accountability, and they think they're, that we're leaving. Uh, and so what, I, what I'm concerned about, what I think you'll see, is if we do fully depart, uh, that will increase quite a bit. So they're going to say what we want to hear, their view is they're taking over the country now. We're going to be gone completely August 31st. Uh, and so they're going to do what they want. Um, their goal ultimately has been how do we get the United States out of the country and how do we take it over uh, so they will do anything to that effect. And so, again, if we're not there and we're not a military presence to hold them accountable, I think you expect that they'll do what, what they want to do once we're out. Once we're out. The White House says it's in daily talks with the Taliban. Uh, they're, they're not planning to have President Biden negotiate with them uh, directly. Uh, do you agree with that decision? Yeah, I don't think the president of the United States needs to negotiate directly with a militant group. So people involved with evacuation efforts tell me that the Taliban are refusing to let people through uh, to get to the airport uh, unless they're American citizens or green card holders. So, so that, that means that the special immigrant visas, the SIVs, the Af- Afghan allies can't get through. Um, d- does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me based on this state. I mean, here's my suggestion. I think there's a couple things to remember. Number one, I don't care what political administration we're in. The United States military is the strongest and most trained in the world. Our troops know what to do. uh, And at the end of the day, we can negotiate, but we should do it on our terms. And so I would view that as unacceptable. Uh, You know, an American ideal is taking care of our citizens. It's taking care of our green card holders, but it's also taking care of our allies and those people that supported us. We have a view of no person left behind. Let's hold that ideal. And the best way to do that is what the Biden administration is starting to do, which is open up a broader corridor. Don't just locate around the airport in Kabul. It's time for us to be more aggressive and take the advantage. Uh, And let's do what we need to do in order to ensure that both United States citizens, but also our allies are taken care of under any cost. And we have the force and strength to do that. Our troops can do that. We're the best military in the world. Adam Bowler, thank you so much. Appreciate your time today, today, sir. U.S. officials are getting worried that terror chatter could pick up as the group that hosted al-Qaeda retakes Afghanistan. What are intel officials saying? We're back with our world lead. CNN has learned that there are up to 4,000 Afghans left inside the country who either worked for the U.S. Embassy in some capacity or are members of those individuals' families, and they have not been able to even reach the Kabul airport. One source telling CNN most of these Afghans qualify for special immigrant visas or SIVs to be evacuated, but were, quote, screwed over by the U.S. CNN's Nick Payton Walsh is in Doha, Qatar. Nick, why have these Afghans not been included so far in these U.S. evacuation efforts? 
Well, there were extraordinary pictures of the helicopters taking U.S. diplomats, nationals out of the embassy compound when the first U.S. effort to leave kind of began. But obviously part of that were not the local Afghan staff as part of the U.S. plan. Now, it appears that there obviously were SIV promises made to them. Many of them already appear to have qualified. Some are already enrolled. Uh, Yet these individuals who work day to day face to face with U.S. diplomats are still in Kabul and, of course, are... Obviously, like so many SRB applicants, worried about getting to the airport through Taliban checkpoints and, until recently, the extraordinary crowd crushes at all the entry gates. Today, in fact, it's clear from sources on the ground that SIV applicants are not being allowed into the airport, just U.S. citizens, green card holders and NATO nationals. So the focus certainly is, I think, to make sure that they can get out. We've just heard Ned Price, the State Department spokesperson, say that getting these people out is, quote, an absolute priority. But at the same time, weeks are going by and they are still in Kabul under threat. And these, as I say, are the people who sat next to U.S. diplomats, made their job possible every day. And despite the great scenes of uh, coordination to pull the diplomats out, these Afghans were left behind. All right, Nick Payton Walsh in Doha. Thank you so much. Back in the United States, the Taliban recapturing Afghanistan has left intelligence officials and law enforcement in the United States worried about an uptick in terrorism, given the haven the terrorist groups can now find there. It's a threat that these groups pose right now, of course, to Americans and Afghans in that country. But the Biden administration says they can handle it. Listen to President Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, this afternoon. That we can suppress terrorism without a permanent military presence on the ground. CNN's Evan Perez joins us now. And Evan, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 is just days away. How concerned are U.S. officials about the threat here in the United States? Well, they're scrambling, Jake, because, look, they had planned for the idea that there was a possibility the uh, the Afghan government would fall and that they would have to make up some of these, uh, the, the loss of, of intelligence eyes uh, on the ground there. All of that has been accelerated now. And as you pointed out, we have the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of concern about the, the, the fact that the Taliban have won, have declared victory, uh, is going to pose a, a threat for not only from al-Qaeda uh, and ISIS, but even from domestic terrorists in the United States who will find some inspiration from the fact that uh, of the events that you've seen on the ground there in Afghanistan. So in addition to the thousands of, of Taliban prisoners that the Trump administration pressured the Afghan government to free as a gesture of good faith while the Trump administration was negotiating with the Taliban, in addition to that, we know that the Taliban uh, has been freeing prisoners as they've retaken uh, the country. How much of a threat did these individuals who were in jail until relatively recently uh, how much does that pose? They, they, they pose a tremendous threat, tr- threat because, uh, you know, these are p- people who are viewed as, as hardcore terrorists. Um, some of them, uh, for instance, the, uh, one of the founding members of uh, the pa- Pakistani Taliban, the TTP, which was associated with a 2010 Times Square bombing attempt, that guy is now out of prison, uh, released by the Taliban, as well as uh, concern about uh, al-Qaeda leaders who are believed to have been hiding out in, in uh, eastern Iran. They are now back in the picture. Uh, the, the concerns are, are tremendous. Uh, we know that the intelligence agencies are now bringing resources that they had planned for elsewhere in Asia. They're bringing them into the region to deal with all of this. All right, Evan Perez, thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's been called a clown show and a fraud it. But today, a report on the sham election audit in Arizona is supposed to be due. Will it cause another explosion of misinformation? We'll talk to the Arizona Secretary of State next. 
In our politics lead, we were expecting to receive the bogus audit results of 2.1 million votes out of Arizona's 2020 election today, but those results have been delayed after three members of the five-person company Cyber Ninjas that is running the so-called audit tested positive for coronavirus. We certainly hope they get a well soon. Cyber Ninjas, we should note, have zero experience auditing elections. The organization is led by a man who continues to push the big lie. The news of the COVID cases comes from a statement from the Arizona State Senate president who says they're instead receiving a portion of a draft report. This comes one day after House Democrats in the Capitol sent a scathing letter to the cyber ninjas, accusing them of obstructing their investigation, pushing the big lie, and hindering election integrity. Let's talk about this with Arizona's Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. Secretary Hobbs, I'm sorry to even ask you about this, but are you surprised that the cyber ninjas did not provide any results today? Well, this whole entire exercise has been plagued by delays, uh, which is one of the things that we highlighted in the report that we just put out uh, that um, covers all of the problems with this exercise. It's not an audit. Uh, and, um, and, and delays was one of them. In a real audit, you would see um, timeframes that were laid out well in advance, and we haven't seen any of that here. So no, this is not a surprise. So you, you have long been saying that this organ, the, the cyber ninjas aren't credible, the audit isn't credible, none of this should be considered even an audit. Explain why. Well, as the report highlights, um, it's been plagued by lapses in security, lack of transparency, the delays that we just talked about, uh, not adhering to any type of regular procedures that has led to many errors. Uh, and um, and over and above all of that is the fact that it's being run by folks with a partisan agenda who have promoted the big lie and who have no credible, not even credible, no, no experience at all with elections or any post-election auditing. So Arizona is a, a legitimate swing state. You have a Republican governor, both of your senators are Democrats. Um, so I imagine that it's important to have good relationships with Democrats and Republicans and vice versa. Have you spoken to your Republican colleagues uh, in the state Senate and the, and the legislature there about the legitimacy of this bogus audit? Do, do you think that no matter what happens, they're going to they're going to peddle it to push the big lie? Oh, I certainly we've certainly tried to reach out to them. If you if you saw our report, there's a detailed timeline of the correspondence back and forth or maybe most of it was one sided from us to them outlining our concerns and what should happen for it to be a credible situation. Um, but that hasn't helped matters at all. And they seem intent on continuing to push this uh, not to bolster election confidence, but to continue to sow doubt. And, and do you fear that it's going to get even worse in your state when it comes to believing uh, these deranged election conspiracies? I mean, we all saw the images of some of the cyber ninjas holding up uh, ballots to look for bamboo traces because of the insane theory that China or some Asian country was sending in ballots. Right. I mean, what we're seeing through all of this is that our leaders are focused more on conspiracy theories and governing by conspiracy theory rather than leading and standing up for what most of them know is the truth. And they're unfortunately misleading a lot of their constituents. You know, this is one of the reasons I'm running for governor, because um, Arizonans are tired of being led by conspiracy theorists. And folks can join me there at katiehobbs.org. 
But hasn't Governor Ducey, who's a Republican, hasn't he been decent on this issue? I mean, he he allowed the election to be certified. He has, as far as I know, he hasn't spread any of these election lies. Uh, Am I wrong? He certainly hasn't uh, touted the election lies, but he's not refuting them either. And in regards to this particular exercise, he's continued to say, let's wait and see. Um, when he knows there's no there there, he knows there was no election fraud, he knows they're not going to find any, and he just keeps saying, let's wait and see. All right, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. More than 20 people dead, others missing. We're live with the devastating flooding that wiped out communities in the U.S. in just minutes. Stay with us. In our Earth Matters series, scientists say that one effect of the climate crisis is that warmer air can hold more water, which sometimes results in a deluge of rain and catastrophic flooding. This past weekend, about 90 minutes west of Nashville, a storm predicted to dump six inches of rain around Waverly, Tennessee, dropped instead 17 inches. The resulting flash floods claimed at least 21 lives. CNN's Nadia Romero saw the damage firsthand. My mama being rescued. In this intense cell phone video, Amanda Maple shot from her roof the moment she had been waiting for. Over and over, I saw them pick up our neighbors and our family, risking their own lives, you know, for us. And seeing that moment of my mom surfacing because I didn't know if she was alive in there was something I'll never forget. I was fine sitting on that roof all day if I had to, as long as she got out okay. Maples on her roof looking and screaming for her mother, who she thought was swept away in floodwaters. Amanda Maples' mother clinging onto a kitchen island, worrying about her daughter, Amanda, across the street. The guy came in and he hollered, anybody in here? And I said, yes, me. <laughs> and, and he came back there and said, are you okay? And I said, yes. And I said, what about Amanda across the street? And he said, she's okay, she's on the roof. And as a parent to see her child on the roof, it's heart-wrenching. But it's like, oh, yeah, save my child. (laughs) And I was saying save my mom. Record-breaking rain sent floodwaters surging through rural Tennessee Saturday, devastating several communities within Humphreys County. At least 21 people have been killed. Hundreds of homes now completely uninhabitable. John Thornton lost everything. You wouldn't think this would happen, but it's, it's total devastation. A massive surge is underway for the missing in communities where the water rose the fastest. Our people need help. We're going to be overwhelmed for the next probably 30 days at least, overwhelmed. Of those reported dead, two were seven-month-old twins. A family member says the rushing water swept the babies out of their father's arms. It's been a a huge impact to the small community, um, town aware these scars for many decades. As the search continues, families tackle the question of how or even if they should rebuild. Not much to salvage in Maple's home. That's when I called 911. John Thornton losing his house and rental property, wondering what to do next. I don't know, man. I don't know what we're going to do. And that number of people who have been missing has been fluctuating since right after the storm. We wrote about 50 people today. That's been downgraded to about 10 people still missing. And here's why. Electricity went out, still out for some 2,000 homes, and cell service was down. Take a look at this house behind me. This house was picked up off its foundation from two blocks away and came crashing into this gas station before it came to a stop. And there's the car that was inside, picked up with the house. The neighbors tell me they were worried about the woman who lived inside 
inside. They didn't know if she was in the car trying to get away or she was somewhere in the house crushed by the home. And so they reported her missing. But I spoke to that woman just about 30 minutes ago, and she said she's fine. She was staying with her daughter at the time of the storm. She survived, and she's just thinking about everyone else who's still missing. Jake? All right, CNN's Nadia Romero. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Coming up, we're live in Kabul as thousands are still waiting for a way out of Afghanistan. Stay with us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.